0: so many of us, Christmas is the one season that we take time to recognize Jesus.
1: We often see the phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season, at various times around Christmas. Yet, if we lean into all the scripture, Jesus isn't just for the Christmas season. He is in every season. We should honor Christ and be thankful for his birth every day. I pray we would see the importance of remembering that Jesus is the reason for every season, not just at Christmas.
2: Genesis reads, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Then the Lord God said, Behold, man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove them out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life.
0: Yet while all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, God's presence has never been the issue. In every season, including the fall in Genesis, God has been with his people, cultivating his ultimate redemptive plan that meets us in our greatest need.
1: So at the first Noel, the angels declared, to us a Savior is born, and signaled that the Rescuer and Redeemer was here.
2: Many did not understand, though, despite what the law and prophets had, fore- had foretold. For man, the Christmas message doesn't make sense because for so long, mankind has tried to
0: create God in our own image. We just kept getting in the way of ourselves. But the law and prophets' word continued to ring out. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, Isaiah says. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel.
1: The prophet also rang out, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace."
2: So Matthew 1, 18 through 23 reads, Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us.
0: Well, Jesus later said that he did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. But sometimes we miss God's work in the moment.
1: We can hardly blame the people for not understanding right away. There were many centuries between the law and the prophets and the arrival of Jesus.
2: Those silent years left many wondering, but it does not mean the Lord wasn't with his people. God
0: continued to work. It was during this time that God prepared the world for what the Apostle, the Apostle Paul calls the fullness of the time. He's fertilizing the grounds for the arrival of the Messiah.
1: Jesus' arrival was not just amid silent night, but it ended the 400 silent years as God revealed himself to us and beckoned each one. His precious Christmas gift is himself, and he could not have come at a more perfect time.
2: O come, O come, Emmanuel, is no longer a desperate wish, but it is the proclaiming of God with us.
0: And So we sing, not because it's Christmas season, but because the Lord is in every season, and we declare His salvation.
1: Join us as we celebrate the presence of our Savior.
3: So in high school track, I ran what was considered middle distance. And so that means the 400 or the 800, which for those of you who still don't know what that means, that means one time around the track or two times around the track. So I did that Um, in high school for two years. I ran cross country, which is 3.1 miles for a race. Um, After college, there's a couple half marathons that I participated in, uh, 13.1 miles. And then there's one marathon that I decided to try and run and was able to accomplish it. It's 26.2 miles. And the reason that I tell you all of that is that in every one of those situations, and there's something about seeing the finish line. Okay, like when you are pushing your body to the extreme, whatever race it is, and you see the finish line, like you just get a little bit more energy to be able to finish that race. And it's crazy because if you're running the 800, which is two laps, you cross over the finish line after one lap, but it's not the finish line. And so even at that point, you're like, this doesn't mean anything until I come back around and then you get to see it. And man, that's what I need to be able to finish this race. Or in cross country, when you kind of come around whatever last corner it is, and you see the flags that then lead you into the chute as you finish. Or even the marathon that I ran. I remember, it was about 25 and a half miles into it. And I really didn't have much left, but I was trying to beat a specific time and I was running over the top of a hill and they had people along the course to encourage you. And someone said, you're almost there. Like right up ahead of you is the road that you turn on and then you'll be able to see the finish line. Like, all right, there we go. So I look up ahead, I'm like, that's gotta be the road. So I use everything I've got. I don't sprint, but I'm like, okay, I'm gonna keep going. So I'm running hard and I come up to the road and it's not a road. It's actually a business and their parking lot. And I'm like, oh. And so I look up ahead and I'm like, well, maybe that's the one. So I start focusing on that. I got to make it to there. Then I'm turning and getting to see the finish line. Yep, it was another business. And that happened a third time. And the only time that I did this in the entire race is when I passed that third entrance to a business parking lot. I stopped and I walked. I walked. Like I hadn't done it anywhere else, but I felt so defeated. Because I'm like, I know I'm almost to the end, but I don't feel like I have anything left. And I thought the road was right there. But again, I told you I was trying to get a specific time. So I worked up enough energy. Come on, let's just finish this. So I got going again. And yes, the road was not that much farther. I was able to turn and see all the balloons at the end. You could hear the music there. I saw the finish line, gave it everything I had, finished with a minute and three seconds left to spare for my time. So that was fantastic. I had no energy left whatsoever and just like fell down in the ditch afterwards. But like finish lines seeing the finish line allows you to be able to just find that little bit of extra energy to finish the race. There's a place in Joplin that sells ice cream. It's called Shakes. And I had not heard of it when I was in college, which is probably good because I probably would have spent more money there that I didn't need to. But there was a date that my wife and I went to Shakes and we decided to try this hot fudge shake, Man, it's glorious. Like, I'm sure they have them in heaven. But as you have it, like, the ice cream is not too hard, and it's not too, um, you know, thin, and so it's just right. There are clumps of hot fudge that then hit your mouth, and it feels like you are eating a hot fudge Sunday. And they're really smart, too, because they give you the big straws, which is fantastic because you've probably been there before when you had a shake and maybe it was like a pineapple shake or something, and it gets stuck in your straw and your face contorts because you're sucking as hard as you can to try and get it up through that. Like, that's not the way it is here at Shakes. They give you the big straws, so the chunks of hot fudge just come into your mouth. Man, it's glorious. And so I've told students when we go there and we have to stop here, you should try this. No one's ever said it was bad, but even me knowing what it's going to be like, the first sip of every new cup, like, it is fantastic. When I was in college, I went and watched a movie this one time, and something was going on kind of in the control room. I don't know what it was, but we watched the first seven minutes of that movie in silence. There was no sound to it. And like you could see everyone in the movie theater kind of getting frustrated. Like, what's going on here? Like, we don't know what's fully going on with the movie. You could watch and kind of make out what was going on. Well, they finally got it fixed, but they didn't start the movie over. Like, they just kept going from that point. And so it's like, well, I paid for this, so I'm going to watch it. And so again, you kind of knew what was going on with the whole movie. You saw things come together. But About a month or two later, when it kind of left the theater, you know, you had to go into stores and rent a DVD back then, so that's what I did. And so I wanted to see what those first seven minutes were like. And watching the movie and getting to hear the words that were said between the characters, like, it put the pieces together in a way that just watching the movie for those first seven minutes could never accomplish. And so being able to hear it just brought the meaning of this movie to a whole new level. When I was a kid... We, as a family, our vacation every summer, you know, through elementary school, was going to Worlds of Fun. Like, that's what we love to do. And so I remember whenever our parents would tell us, it is time to go to Worlds of Fun, like we're doing that next week, we would pull out the map from the, la- the year before and we'd start looking at all the rides and we'd talk about which ones we're going to do first and how we're going to do certain things. And then when it was time to go, we went through our routine. Our grandparents would come over, we would go over to our grandparents' house, we would all get up in the vehicle together, we would drive up to Kansas City, we would stop at a McDonald's that was not too far from Worlds of Fun to eat a late breakfast. So that way, once you got into the park, you didn't have to. To eat lunch until like two or three, so you only had to pay for one meal in the park, and then we would stay until nine or ten o'clock, and then we would go and eat at Wendy's afterwards, and then all of us kids would just crash in the car. Like we were wiped out from the day, and we would come home. But it was a blast. But I'll tell you, the moment where everything just came together that I am now at Worlds of Fun had nothing to do with getting picked up in the car in the morning, or even stopping at McDonald's for breakfast, or even when you got to the point where you could see the tallest roller coaster over the trees or even as you're getting close to the entry gate and there's the big balloon there talking about worlds of fun. The moment that I knew that I was there was when I was sitting on one of the trams. They used to have these trams come to different parts of the parking lot and then they would take you up to the front gate. And the reason that that made such an impact on me was there was some sort of smell that these trams had. Now I know that sounds really weird, okay? But there was actually some sort of sweet aroma To these trams. They're like, I have ridden all sorts of other trams at amusement parks. It's like, there is no sweet aroma there. But I remember sitting on these trams, and as soon as that smell hit my nose, I'm like, I'm at Worlds of Fun. It is now time to start this thing. In our staff meetings, uh, we'll often have one of our ministers do a devotion for everyone else kind of just starting the meeting, and in one of those devotions, Sarah had us playing a game, and so we had a box, and one of the ends was cut open, so everyone else could see, but there was some sort of um, object placed in the box, and so everyone else had to put their hands on the sides when it was your turn, and you had to feel and try and figure out whatever that object was, and so yes, everyone else could see, but you had to wait till you were told go, and some of us figured it out quickly based on feeling it. Some people, it took quite a bit longer, but we were able to figure out what it was. And so the moment that we were allowed to do that, being able to touch this object completely changed things because we had no idea before we were allowed to do that. And I tell you those five stories because in each one of those, something became more real when one of my senses got involved. And so now all of a sudden, I'm able to see it. Or hear it, or taste it, or smell it, or touch it. And it didn't actually become more real. It was just as real as before, but like it became more real. There was a connectivity that wasn't there before. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about this idea of in every season, that God has been present. I mean, you heard it up here just a while ago that from the creation in the fall, God was present. During the law, God was present. In the speaking through the prophets, God was present. Even the silent years, God was present. But it was all leading up to the birth. The birth of Jesus that we come to celebrate tonight. And I wonder, with that birth, have you ever allowed yourself just to connect in a whole new way? Have you ever put yourself there and allowed your senses to connect the idea of seeing the child or maybe even reaching out to touch him or the smells of the stable or listening to things? Have you ever placed yourself there to allow it to become maybe more real? Because see, that's what happened when Jesus was born, that God became more real to us. And again, that doesn't mean he actually is more real. He has always been. But now all of a sudden, my senses, I can see him, I can hear him. There he is. God is now with us. He is with us. In the song that was just sung a moment ago about O come, O come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us, there's references to Jesus being the light. That when you open up scripture, you see that Jesus is the light of the world. And it says in that song that he pushes away the gloomy clouds and the darkness that death brings. Like he has power over. He is the light of the world. And so in just a moment, we're gonna light a candle and that candle will then spread all throughout the worship center here. But here's what I would challenge you. As the candle is being passed from one to the next, as the flame is being lit and moved And as you're hearing the song about the light of the world, I would challenge you to place yourself back in the birth of Jesus. And maybe you don't stop there. Maybe then you picture his ministry. You picture his death and you picture his resurrection. And you take that step back and you allow yourself to connect within it on a whole new level than you ever have before. Because now you see hope. Or now you hear peace or you feel the joy and the love or you can almost taste the goodness of God. Don't let the birth of Jesus just be an event that happened. Realize that the light of the world came to change our lives.
4: Light of the world, treasure of heaven Brilliant light the stars in the wintry sky Joy of the Father, reach through the darkness Shine across the earth, send the shadows to fly light of the world from the beginning the tragedies of time were no match for your love from great heights of glory you saw my story God you in.
3: Light of the world. Maybe you just kind of look at your candle here for a moment and you think back to that silent night, that simple night when Jesus was born and and when he came into this earth, like it wasn't just the huge show that God could have done. Yeah, there were some people that heard about it, but I imagine the light of the world looks something like this candle. But we also read that when he came into this world, the the world was a very dark place. And I want you to hold your candles down low for just a moment. Kind of just look up and again, experience what that darkness would have looked like of just missing out on the light. But now, raise it up high. And I want you to take a moment to look at this, to feel this, to be amazed at who Jesus is and what he came to do. That this light of the world came for you. He came to bring you life and hope and peace and joy and love. He came for you. Go ahead and hold your candles down now. And again, I think sometimes we just kind of get into the routine. That's what we do every year. But just to be able to stop and remember this light and what it means and and the life that he has come. And what's awesome, we talked about Jesus coming, Emmanuel, God with us. Right before he goes back up into heaven, he says these words, that I will be with you always. So even though physically you will not see my body, I will continue to be with you. There will be a connection. And then not long after he's gone, you see that God gives us the gift of his Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to be with us. And we are not alone. And so this light that we get to experience, you and I, we are called to share it with other people. And that song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, you heard Nick just talk about the idea that it's no longer something that we're just looking forward to, that Jesus will come or the Messiah will come. It is he has come. But if you research that song, there's also a double meaning. There's also the idea of his second coming, that he will come again. And so we get to live with the blessings that he has come and that he is with us and we will be reunited with him one day. And I'm just telling you, I have no idea what our senses will be like at that moment, getting to see him and be in the presence of Jesus. And so again, as we've been talking about seasons of life, I don't know what season you're going through right now, but may you be reminded that God is with you and he will not forsake you. And we get to be with him for eternity. I do want to tell you that as we come back next week, we'll go to our regular services at five o'clock on Saturday and nine o'clock and 1030 on Sunday. And I'll tell you, we're starting a new series and it's entitled With. And we're gonna look at the life of Jesus and what it means to be with him. I guess he is in front of us as he is right by our side. What does it mean to be with Jesus? And so I'd I'd encourage you to come back and just be part of that. And here in just a moment, we're gonna close out our service just singing one more song uh, to this light of the world. And staff members will come to the front at some point and they'll release you and we'll go front row to the back. And there are places to place your candle out there. There's also offering buckets since it is our weekend services. If you want to be able to give to the church in that way, then we wanna allow you to be able to do that. But don't take for granted what God has given to us and just take the moments to reconnect with him. And so Merry Christmas and let's stand as we sing Silent Night.